If you have your Bible, once you turn with me, uh, once you turn with me to uh, Ephesians chapter four, Ephesians chapter four, and we're going to be there in a little while. We've been talking about uh, born for battle, spiritual warfare, and we're continuing in that series today. And, uh, you know, whenever you start talking about, you know, there's a couple of things, um, you know, in church sometimes that even church people are a little bit uh, uneasy talking about. And one of them is spiritual warfare. And I think that the reason why sometimes we're uncomfortable with talking about spiritual warfare is because we don't know enough about it. And so we've been uh, we've now in two weeks, we've been talking about spiritual warfare and um, and we've been talking about the importance of uh, of of us getting engaged in spiritual warfare. And first uh, Peter five says, be careful, watch out for the attacks of Satan. Your great enemy, he prowls around like a hungry, roaring lion, looking for some victim to tear apart. How many of you know we do have an enemy out there? We can't see him with the physical eye, but we can tell that he's operating all around us. Amen? I heard a pastor say one time, if you don't believe in the devil, pastor a church for a year. And you'll believe it. Amen? Well, let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that it's life-changing, it's life-giving, and it's transforming. Now, Lord, I thank you that you're releasing your warring angels. Lord, that you're releasing your, Lord, your warring angels to, to guard post in this church today. And God, I thank you that you're, Lord, you're stopping any hindrances from the Word of God going forth. I thank you, Lord, that the Word of God will have free course today, and it's going to seed in the hearts of people And God, I pray today that, God, you would just build your army up, equip your army so that we can, Lord, wage the war that you've birthed us into the kingdom for. And God, we thank you for your anointing, your provision, and your grace. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, when Paul said, or Peter said in 1 Peter 5, be careful, watch out, he's saying, hey, church, wake up, be sober. Don't be lured to sleep, spiritually speaking. He's encouraging the the church to be on guard, to to stay set, to be ready to do battle. Now, the first week we talked about every Christian is born for battle. Revelation 12 says the enemy, after he got thrown out of heaven, he's looking for God's people and he wants to take them down. In week two, we talked about knowing our enemy. We have the battles without, but we have the battles within. And today we're going to talk about engaging the enemy. We know the enemy is, he disguises himself as an angel of light. We know he's a deceiver. He's a liar. We know that he's a lion. He's like a roaring lion and he tries to bring fear in the hearts of people. We know these things, but we need to learn how to not just know about the enemy, but engage the enemy. Amen. To win, to win in life, we must, we must learn to engage the enemy. Now, there's three reasons why we need to engage the enemy. One is so we can reach our full spiritual potential destiny. You know, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul said, For we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, more than once, and yet Satan hindered us. You know what? Paul recognized that Satan was hindering him from ministering and encouraging the Thessalonian church. 
And so listen, Satan's resistance was keeping him from reaching the destiny that God had for him in his ministry. And what we all need to realize is this. If Satan, if allowed to, he will hinder all of us from reaching our spiritual destiny as well. Are y'all hearing me out there? Listen, Satan will try to hinder us from gaining breakthroughs. He don't want us to gain spiritual ground. You know what Satan would rather us do? He would rather us to just get just complacent, apathetic, not be too concerned about our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. He would rather us just worry about everything else about life and forget about him altogether. But how many of you believe we can't do that? Amen. And you know, that's what happened to Daniel. Daniel, whenever he was trying to get an answer to the vision that God given him and he started pressing in, the Bible says the prince of Persia hindered the answer from coming. The enemy will try to hinder you from receiving breakthrough. You know, the enemy would be glad if he can't keep you out of heaven. He would be glad if he can just keep you miserable. You know, listen, if he can't get you out of heaven, he would be happy if he can just get you depressed and stay in depression. Are y'all with me out there? James 4.17 says, Therefore, submit to God and resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Listen, saints, we need to learn how to resist the adversary. We need to learn how to resist him. Now just keep taking it on the chin, but we need to get on the offense and start putting him back where he belongs, which is under our feet. Amen. And so a second reason we need to learn how to engage the enemy is so we can avoid giving our enemy opportunities to defeat us. In Ephesians 4, 26 The word uh, Paul said to the Ephesian church, be angry and sin not and let not the sun go down on your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Now, place means an entry point, an opportunity, a foothold to influence us. How many of you know whenever somebody does something and you get angry and you don't deal with the anger, And you get bitter. The enemy just got a foothold in your life. He got a foothold in your life. And as we discussed last week, listen, we face spiritual battles outwardly. We know there's demons in the heavenlies. There's there's principalities. There's rulers of darkness in the heavenlies. But there's also the battle within. And that we battle against the adversary in the heavenlies, but we also battle the adversary within where he tries to take, take a, get a foothold in our lives, take an opportunity to, to influence our lives. And so if we're not careful, we'll give the devil a foothold in our finances. We'll give the devil a foothold in our health, our relationships. We'll give the devil an opportunity to negatively influence our jobs, our businesses to influence areas of our life. So we need to be smart enough, wise enough to not just play his tricks, not to give in to his tactics, amen? So if somebody does something, if they slap you across the face, punch them out. No, don't do that. That's not what the Bible says, right? If somebody slaps you across the face, give the other cheek. In other words, do not allow bitterness to sow, to get sown in your heart because you're going to give the enemy an opportunity to, dis- to take you down. So we have to be careful. Engaging in spiritual warfare helps us and keeps us from giving in to the influence of the adversary. 
You remember that's what happened to Judas. Judas was defeated and taken down spiritually because he gave Satan an entry into his life. How? Through money. Through money. And then, you know, we talked about Ananias and Sapphira. The enemy got a chance to to influence their life because they lied. And they took them down. So listen, to win in life, you must learn how to engage the enemy and win the battles without, but also win the battles within. Are y'all with me? And so listen, this is what it means. Anytime the enemy tries to get us to do anything that's ungodly, that's a spiritual battle. And if we give into it, we're going to give him a place. A third reason we need to learn how to engage the enemy is this, so we can avoid being imprisoned mentally. How many of you know the primary place Satan attacks us is in the mind, in the arena of the mind. That's where the battle is the worst, in our mind. And so the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 10, 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not cornal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now a stronghold is a, a mental fortress. Or another way to look at it, a mental prison, a walled city of thought patterns or belief systems that is contrary to the truth of God's word. And so the way the enemy works, Satan is a master craftsman at deceiving us and getting us into thinking and believing things that are contrary to the word of God. He's a master at it. And the problem is once he's successful, in getting us to believe something contrary to to God's word, then it becomes a stronghold in our life. It becomes this prison in our life. And now he can control us because our mind is the control center. And then he can control us by just simply sowing seeds of thought and believing those that are contrary to the word of God. That's what he did to Eve. Remember in, in Genesis Bible says the, the serpent was more crafty than any, any beast of the field, any of the animals the Lord God had made. In verse 7 uh, or verse 4 or 1, he said, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree? He was getting her to doubt the word of God. And then verse, in verse 7, You will not surely die, verse 4 says. You will not surely die. Once he believed that what God was saying was not true, he had her. Checkmate. You see, once he gets us to believe something that is contrary to the word of God, he can get a foothold in our life. And then he can take advantage of us. So Satan built a stronghold in Eve's mind by getting her to doubt the truth of God's word. Now the takeaway here is this. To win in life, you can stand idly by. To win in life, we must learn how to engage the enemy in warfare. Amen? Listen, if you just sit back and just put your hands over your head and let somebody keep punching at you, even though you got your, your defense up, man, after a while, your head's going to start to rain. Right? Y'all hearing me? The best thing to do is put your boxing gloves on and start going after the enemy instead of waiting for him to defeat us. Are y'all hearing me out there? So we must learn to fight our own personal spiritual battles. We got to fight our own battles. We can't wait for somebody else to fight our battles. We can't rely on somebody else. 
to fight our battles. You know, listen, husbands, we can't wait for our wife to fight our spiritual battles. Hey, listen, wives, we can't wait for our husbands to fight our spiritual battles. Hey, young people, we can't wait for our parents to fight our spiritual battles. We got to fight our own spiritual battles. Come on, y'all help me preach today. Amen. Now, listen, in the Old Testament uh, history, after the first generation of the Israelites entered the promised land, they died off. An entire new generation rose up that had never experienced or learned how to do spiritual warfare. So God had to teach them how to war. He had to teach them how to do warfare, just as he had taught their predecessors. And so what he did was he left some of the enemies in the land, and he said, this is the reason why I'm doing it. In in Judges chapter 3 and verse 1, he says, These are the nations the Lord left to test all those Israelites who had not experienced any of the wars in Canaan. He did this only to teach warfare to the descendants of the Israelites who had not previously, who had previously no battle experience. So he left these, these different people groups in the promised land, in Canaan. And he says, the reason why I'm not getting rid of all of them, you need to learn how to do warfare. Did you catch that? The Lord purposely left certain enemies in Canaan to teach them warfare. Now listen, the Lord knows something we must learn. If we want to live and enjoy the blessings of the promised land, we got to learn how to do spiritual warfare. That's the only way we're going to do it. Because listen, the enemy is not just going to lay down and just open up all the gates and say, come on, the promised land's this way. Come on, gang. He's not going to do that. He's going to try to do whatever he can to keep us out. Amen. Second Corinthians 10, three, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. How many of you know, God has given us spiritual weapons to fight our spiritual battles. Amen. In other words, he's not asking us to do warfare, but hey, good luck. I hope you can do it. No, he's saying, listen, I've called you to be a warrior. I've called you to be my army. And by the way, I got some mighty weapons for you to use so you can win your spiritual battle. Amen. Weapons to engage the enemy and win the spiritual battle. Now, how do you effectively engage the enemy in spiritual warfare? I just want to give you three ways that you can effectively engage your enemy in warfare. Number one, use the weapon of victory, which is the blood of Jesus. How many of you know the blood of Jesus is our victory? Now listen, I love to just mention the blood of Jesus in church. You know why? Because the blood of Jesus is powerful. Amen. In in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11, it says, And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb. How many of you know the blood of Jesus is a weapon of victory? The weapon of the blood of Jesus is activated through prayer and through faith. Whenever we pray and we we understand the power of the blood of Jesus, we can have an extra advantage on our enemy. The blood of Jesus gives us victory over guilt and condemnation. You know, Satan is constantly bringing up our faults, our weaknesses, our failures. And his purpose is to try to steal our confidence from us. He wants to steal our confidence. He, the Bible calls him in Revelation 10, uh, 12, 10, he's the accuser of the brethren. And you know, he is, he's a bully. That's what he is. He's a bully. And he'll try to keep whispering in our ear, oh, you are a failure. 
You have so many weaknesses and he will just try to point out all your faults because he don't want you to have any confidence before God. And he'll keep bringing it up. But listen, we need to remember the blood of Jesus reminds us that Jesus gives us victory and cleanses us from every fault, weakness, and shortcoming. Amen? That's what the Bible says. First John 1, 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen, the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? Hey, the Bible says, though your sin be red as crimson, they shall be white as snow. Amen? Listen, you know, you ladies, you know, sometimes your husbands stain their clothes. You know, they use their shirt as a bib, right? And sometimes it's hard to get those stains out of clothes. But listen, you know, sometimes we stain with sin. But I want you to know there's no stain of sin that the blood of Jesus cannot wash. Amen. There's no stain in anybody's life that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse. Amen. So we need to remember the blood of Jesus gives us confidence. When the enemy says you're a failure, you're weak. These are your shortcomings. You just need to thank God for the blood of Jesus. That's warfare. My sin, my friends, that's warfare. Amen. Don't let him steal your confidence. Jesus has cleansed you. Whenever you became a Christian, he's washed you. He separated you from your sins as far as the east is from the west. Amen. So you could come boldly to the throne of grace. As Hebrew, Hebrews 4.16. Let us, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we might receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. You know, you don't realize when you come to church and you hear that you're doing warfare. You don't, you're doing warfare. Sometimes you hear we're worshiping and, and you don't feel like you're worthy. But I tell you, once you understand the blood of Jesus, you're not going to let any thought of the enemy keep you out of the holy of holies. Amen. Listen, the blood of Jesus gives us victory over the cursed life. Satan will try to tell us that uh, we're going to have to live the rest of our life with these patterns in our life. No hope for change. He'll try to convince you that you'll never be blessed. You'll always be cursed. It doesn't matter if everybody else is doing good, not you. You're going to never do good. But oh, the blood of Jesus tells us something different. First Peter 1.18, you know that, that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And the ransom he paid was not mere gold or silver. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. You know what the blood of Jesus reminds us of? That we can have victory over every generational curse, over every bondage, every every addiction. We can be delivered and set free from everything. Amen? The power of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus gives us protection from our enemy. You remember in the Old Testament, whenever the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt, and in the last, the last plague, and the Lord was about to release the death angel, and he told him, and he gave him a clear picture of what to do to get a lamb, an unblemished lamb, and, and, to, and, to, and to, um, to slaughter the lamb and take the blood and put it on the doorpost. In Exodus 12, 7, they were to take some of the blood and smear it on, all, on, on the sides of the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. In verse 13, but the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. 
Now listen, this is a picture of what happens to us when we become a Christian. Listen, we get saved by the blood of Jesus, amen? And the blood of Jesus is applied to our heart and our life, much like the blood that was shed on the doorposts of the children of Israel. And listen, when the devil tries to attack us, you can claim that you are divinely protected because of the blood of Jesus that covers you. Amen? You say, well, I don't see any blood on my life. Well, you know what? It's in heaven. And when you said, Jesus, I surrender to you, the blood of Jesus covered you and washed you. And the blood of Jesus protects you. Amen? So the enemy can't just do whatever he wants with you. You're covered under the blood of Jesus. And our households are covered under the blood of Jesus. And listen, the blood of Jesus protects us from our enemy. Are y'all hearing me out there? Now here's the key. We have to use the weapon of the blood of Jesus to stand against the enemy, to engage the enemy. We need to use the weapon of the blood of Jesus by standing in faith and through prayer. Listen, when Satan reminds you of your faults, your weaknesses and all that, listen, just remind him of the blood of Jesus. Amen. Just remind him, hey, first John one seven and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses me from all my faults, cleanses me from all my past. Amen. It's the blood of Jesus. When Satan tries to convince you that you're going to forever live enslaved to addictions or bondages. You're going to forever live in the same pattern. You need to be reminded of the blood of Jesus and you need to by faith and through prayer, Lord, thank you for the blood of Jesus that I've been delivered from the feudal ways that I've inherited from my forefathers by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. By faith and through prayer, declare I'm set free. No kind of stronghold is more powerful than the power of God. And through the blood of Jesus, I'm delivered and set free. Free in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on. You got to know this so you can win the battle. You got to know the power of the blood of Jesus. The second way to effectively engage your enemy in warfare is use the weapon of authority, which is the name of Jesus. I mean, you know, there's authority in the name of Jesus. Listen, the name of Jesus is the ultimate authority on the earth. It's the ultimate authority. Paul said concerning the name and authority of Jesus, Philippians 2.8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I mean, that takes care of everything, right? And that's all of it, right? And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Paul reminds us that Jesus is no ordinary name. How many of you know that? Jesus is no ordinary name. He is the name that is above every name. Hey, President Obama, he's, he's the president of the United States, but his name is, you can't find it on the, on the, on the scale because Jesus' name is so high above every king and every president and everyone in authority on the globe. Jesus exalts every name. He's no ordinary name. Amen. The name of Jesus is supreme in authority. We need to know this. The name of Jesus speaks of the spiritual authority that we have. 
Mark 16 and 17, Jesus said, These signs will accompany those who have believed. Listen, in my name, they will cast out demons and they will speak in new tongues. In whose name? Not in your name, not in my name. In Jesus' name, they will cast out demons. Jesus believes. Jesus says believers who use his name will cast out demons. There is power in the name of Jesus. Do you remember when Peter and John went up to the temple and there was that blind beggar there and they was begging for money? And so they turned to this guy and they they were expecting to get silver and gold. But listen to what they said, Acts 3 and 3. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently and Peter said, look at us. The layman looked at him eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I do not have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand, helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and his ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. Come on, this lame man got something better than silver and gold. He got a miracle that day. And it was done because because Peter and John prayed in the name of Jesus. Remember in Acts 16, they had this... um, it's another example of the power of the name of Jesus. They had this young girl, and, and she was uh, possessed by a demon spirit of divination. And, uh, and, and she was following them around, following Paul around, and, and saying, oh, this is the guy, this is the guy. Listen to him. He's the, he's, the, he's the man of God. And Paul finally got exasperated with it. And the Bible says in Acts 16, 17, the girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. It seemed like she was on board. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled. Hey, there's discernment. There's discernment. He saw this wasn't the Spirit of God. This was distracting from the things of God. Then he turned around and he said to the Spirit, not to her, to the Spirit in her, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the Spirit left her. Come on, the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. It's the name of Jesus. Listen, it's not just using the name that gives us spiritual authority. You know, anybody can use that name. But it's being in relationship and a servant of Jesus that gives us the authority. You know, if you're lost, you got to be careful about going around using the name of Jesus. You remember in Acts, there was a priest named Sceva and he had seven sons. Remember that guy? And he saw what the apostles were doing and he wanted some of that. And so in Acts 19, 13, some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief, chief priests, were doing this. And one day the evil spirit answered them, Jesus, I know, I know about Paul, but who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, overpowered them all. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. How many of you know that's a bad day right there? That's a bad day, amen? But see, it's not just using the name. It's not like you're not serving the Lord and you could just use that name and things are going to happen. No, when you use that name, it means you're in Jesus. 
You surrender to Jesus. You're in relationship with Jesus. And because you're one of his children, he gives you the right to use his name. Come on, are y'all hearing me out there? See, Paul derived. Listen, did you notice the demon knew Jesus? And he knew Paul? Why? Because Paul had a relationship with Jesus. But Paul derived his power and authority from his relationship with Jesus. You see, the son of Sceva, he thought he could use the name of Jesus, but he wasn't in relationship with Jesus. So don't go trying to cast out devils unless you submitted to God. Because you might lose your pants. Amen? So here's the point. If we're going to win our spiritual battles, we have, to, we have got to know the authority we have in the name of Jesus and then begin using it. Amen? Listen what John 14, 14. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Listen, when you through prayer call upon the name of Jesus, you can be delivered from sin. You can be delivered from addiction and bondage. You can be favored and blessed of God when you pray in Jesus' name. You can be delivered from everything hanging over your life. Amen? You can be healed mentally. You can be healed spiritually. You can be healed emotionally. Bless the Lord. You can be healed financially. It's power in the name of Jesus. You know, I remember, y'all believe this? Or y'all believe it? You know, I have several times I've been to the hospital, went to pray for somebody in a coma. And there was no signs of any kind of activity. And I'll lay my hands on them and they start praying. The nurse will come in the room. Say, what's going on in here? All the, all the machines start going crazy. Even though they're in a coma, their spirit can hear the name of Jesus. And their spirit starts responding to the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, y'all got to know whose name. Come on. The name of Jesus. I'm going to tell you one more story. You, some of you have heard this, but whenever I was working in the oil field, I, uh, I, I went, I w- worked on rigs and sometimes I got to fly in helicopters, but sometimes I had to take them little boats, you know, sometimes they were big boats, but sometimes they were small boats in a big gulf and they had a tropical storm out there and they were waiting for the tropical storm to move out so they could get me to the rig. Well, I was in good shape. So I was in Cameron waiting for the boat, waiting for the, the storm to move out. And they said, listen, it's going to be probably eight hours. You can go to town, get you something to eat. It's going to be probably eight hours. But give me your number. If we, you know, something happens, I'll call you. So I went downtown, got a big old juicy hamburger, greasy hamburger. And ate that baby down. And right after I finished, I got a call. Oh, we ready to go. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's not good. And so I got on that little, that old crew boat and we took off to the rig. And we went straight into where the tropical storm was. And I'm telling you, it was so rough. I would have been okay if Jesus just took me home that day. But listen, it was bad. And I remember I was holding on to the throne. And I was, I was, I was miserable. And I got to thinking, Jesus spoke to the storm and it come. And I thought, man, in Jesus' name. So I said, in the name of Jesus, storm, see, I command you to calm down. And I remember the, the captain was talking to the guy on the rig. And he's, look, I'm coming as fast as I can. The seas are rough. They're breaking over the, the windshield of the boat. I'm going as fast as I can. And man, I, I started praying, Jesus, for my sake, Lord, calm this storm. And man, I'm telling you, I, I, you might not believe this. But all of a sudden, I quit hitting the top of that bathroom in that boat and things started settling down. 
And I remember the pilot, I mean, the, uh, the captain calling the rig and said, the seas have really come down here and we're going to be there a lot earlier than we thought. And I said, that's Jesus. That's the name that is above every name. Amen. Come on, y'all out there. So you know what that tells me? You can be in a little boat in a big storm in your life right now. Invoke the name of Jesus and declare that Jesus can give you peace in the midst of your storm. Amen. Yes, he can. The third way to effectively engage your enemy in warfare is this. Use the weapon of power, the truth of God's word. In 2 Corinthians 10, 4, the weapon of our warfare is not cornal, but it's mighty in God through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and everything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. There's that, there's that mental battle. How do you win the mental fortress? How do you, how do you gain the bat, win the battle of the mind, the wrong belief system? That imprisons us primarily through the power of the truth of God's word. Hebrews 4.12 says, listen, the word of God is living and active. Saints, the word of God is not like the newspaper. It's active. It's alive. It's got a heartbeat. It's got power. Amen. It's sharper than any double Double-edged sword, it penetrates even dividing of soul, spirit, joints, and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him who must give an account. Listen, the enemy always uses lies and deceptions to, to bring us down. But I'll tell you what God's word does. It exposes those lies. It reveals those lies. I mean, he gets in this mask and he's the angel of light and he tries to get us to buy in the lies, but the word of God will expose it. That's a lie right there. It's a lie right there. God always uses his truth to deliver us from Satan's mental imprisonment. Jesus said in John eight thirty two, you will know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free. Amen. The truth. Remember, Jesus used the sword of the word of God to defeat the enemy when he attacked him. Remember the enemy three times attacked him with temptation. And three times Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. How did Jesus defeat the attack of the enemy on his life? He defeated him by Quoting the word of God by wielding his sword, the word of God. Amen. Can I tell you something? The way that we're going to win our battle is we got to wield our sword as well. Amen. We got to, we got to just quote the word of God, stand on the word of God. Listen, if Jesus could defeat the enemy with the word, you can too. You can too. So listen, next time Satan tells you you're going to fail, tell him what the word says. I can do all things through Christ. Next time Satan tells you, you will never get well. You're going to stay sick. Oh, no. Tell him what the word of God says. By his stripes, I am healed. Amen. Listen, next time he tells you, you'll never get a breakthrough. You quote the word on all these things. I am more than conquerors. Amen. Come on. You got to get the word in you. Somebody said, if you get the word in you and you know what the word says, then whenever the enemy comes against you, you can tell him where it is written and you could put him in his place. Amen. Hey, God has given us weapons to engage the enemy. And so listen, gang, we need to get on the offense, not wait 
We don't understand. We don't know what the enemy is opposing, how he's trying to keep us out of blessings. We don't know what we're up against. We can't see. But I tell you, it's good just to release the warring angels over your house. I tell you, it's good to call upon the name of Jesus over your life. Amen. Listen, when the enemy tries to put depression and discouragement in the name of Jesus, I declare no oppression is going to hold me back. Amen. Come on. The blood of Jesus covers me. The blood of Jesus washes me. The blood of Jesus gives me power over the temptation and the, and the sin and the, and the tactics and strategies of the enemy. It's through the blood of Jesus that I overcome. It's through the name of Jesus that I have authority. Amen. Come on. It is through the word of God that I can gain the victory. Are y'all with me out there? Come on, stand with me and let's close in prayer. Engaging the enemy. Let's just do that for just a moment. Just close your eyes right where you are. Just right where you are. And come on, let's declare right now the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus. Come on, he's the accuser. And he might have been accusing you. He might be just robbing you of your confidence. He might be just holding you in guilt and condemnation for something you did 20 years ago. And he reminds you of it every time you try to make advancement. But come on, the blood of Jesus cleanses you. The blood of Jesus. Come on, there's no stain that is greater than the blood of Jesus. Amen. Come on, there's nothing that the blood of Jesus cannot cleanse you from. Come on, the enemy might be trying to tell you that you can't get a breakthrough, that you're going to stay under that curse that you've been under. Come on, declare the word of God. You were delivered from the feudal ways that you've inherited, not by, with silver and gold, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on. Now, the Lord says, in my name, you shall cast out demons. In my name, you will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In my name, in John, and John says that everybody who calls on the name of the Lord, he will do it. He will, he will move on our behalf when we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, I don't know what it is that you need here today, but I know that God has given us weapons that we can win the spiritual battle. Amen. The blood of Jesus. Come on, just say that with me. The blood of Jesus cleanses me. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus that washes me today. Now, come on, let's pray. In the name of Jesus, I break every spiritual hold off of my life. In the name of Jesus, I break all oppression off of my life. Come on, speak it, saints, speak it. In the name of Jesus, I declare I am free in Jesus' name. Jesus sets me free. The Word of God tells me I am set free. I am blessed. I am made whole in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of the blood, the power of Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, for the power of the Word of God today. Lord, release your power. Release your presence. Release your anointing, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. you got to use your weapons. Use your weapons. 
Come on, I encourage you to take one of these outlines home and just look at these scriptures and and memorize these scriptures and pray these scriptures over your life and believe God. Come on, some of you, maybe you have children that are not where they need to be spiritually. Come on, declare by the word of God. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Me and my household will be saved. Come on, call call them out of that place of darkness in Jesus' name. You have authority in Jesus' name. You can bind up the blinding spirits of darkness over our loved ones. Amen. Thank you, Lord. You are releasing right now your anointing that's breaking the blinding spirits off of the hearts of people in this room right now. In the name of Jesus, Satan, I say, loose those right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now listen. Acts chapter 2, verse 21. It says, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Listen, I, you know, it would be great if you could just go to church and know that you would be saved and get to go to heaven. But that's not what gets us to heaven. It's the ones that call on the name of the Lord. If you're a Christian and you're saved, would you just do me a favor and just start praying right now for everybody in this room. Because there may be some in here that the enemy's been successful in holding you back, just keeping you back. And the Lord brought you here today because He wants you to be set free. He wants you to be delivered. He wants you to have a spiritual awakening. He wants to break the power of darkness off your life. If you're here today and you say, Todd, I've never been saved. I've never given my life to Christ. But today, I want to call on the name of Jesus. Would you pray for me? If that's you, raise your hands and raise it high so I can see it. Because there's no reason for anybody to leave here and not write with God. Just Come on, just raise your hand. If your heart is beating fast right Right now, that's you. Raise your hand. Come on, if you feel, if you weren't, there you go, ma'am. Raise your hand. Be bold about it. Amen. Come on, there, the enemy, right here, sir. Right here. Anybody else, just raise your hand and wave it at me. Come on, the enemy's trying to hold souls, but Jesus is throwing life rings right now. Amen. Right here. Two people. Anybody else, just wave your hand. Now listen, those of you that raised your hand, just pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I want to be saved. I want to be born again. Lord Jesus, would you wash me? Would you cleanse my heart? God, I want a new life. I want to be a Christian. Help me to live the Christian life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I repent. I want to turn my life around. And I want to serve you. Thank you, Father, for accepting me in your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now listen, those of you that raised your hands and prayed that prayer, I'm going to be right up here just as soon as we dismiss. Would you come and shake my hand? We have, we have, we want to put something in your hand. We've got a gift for you that we want to put in your hand to help you get started on this journey. I'm going to be glad to be started on the journey. I'm going to be, I'm going to be glad that greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. Amen. If you need prayer for anything, we're going to be up here. We're going to be up here praying. Listen, saints, I want to encourage you. At your house, declare your house. Jesus' territory. Amen. Drive out in the name of Jesus all darkness and claim the presence of God right there over your house, in your car, at your work. Amen. Come on, engage the enemy. 
gain the victory, then you're going to live an abundant life. Father, thank you for the blessing of the Lord over the people of God today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.